You're listening to a CNA podcast. Hello and welcome to CNA Correspondent with me, Steve Lai. On today's episode, you'll hear about the challenges ahead for Malaysia's Prime Minister after things didn't go to plan for him at the recent state elections. The outcome of Saturday's state polls in Malaysia is regarded by some analysts as a setback to Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's unity government. Despite retaining stronghold states, the results have raised concerns about dwindling support for the leader. Analysts we've spoken to say Mr Anwar will need to step up his charm offensive to win back the Malay vote and at the same time work to prevent potential defections within his ruling coalition. And if the election results weren't enough of a boost to the opposition, an acquittal in a corruption case against former Prime Minister Muhyiddin Yassin sets the stage for him to solidify his leadership roles in his party Bursatu and the Perikata National Coalition. To fill you in on how it all went down and what it means and what happens next, I'm joined by our Malaysia correspondents Melissa Go and Afifa Arifin. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. It's great to speak to you both after what's been a pretty busy election period for you both. And we'll get to Muhyiddin Yassin's acquittal in part two. But Mel, just remind us of what happened on polling day, because even though both the unity government and the opposition held on to their respective states, there were still clear winners and losers. A sigh of relief for me and Afifa, definitely, you know, now that the state elections are over. Prime Minister Anwar led unity government. They're still in control of the three states, including uh, Selangor and Penang, two of the richest and most developed states. Still, you know, the public is a bit anxious. I remembered listening to chatters on the street the morning after. Now, some city folks, they were shocked by the results. It's another wake-up call, the mono-ethnic conservative wave is rising and appeared unstoppable and finding ready audience not just in rural places but also urban centres. And now this new Pakatan Harapan and Barisan Nacional Alliance doesn't seem to be working. So the bigger winner, of course, is definitely past the Islamic party. They backed the most number of seats, while its ally, Bersatu, won 40, past won 105 seats. And that's more than all the seats that Pakatan Harapan and Barisan Nacional combined. They had only 99. Now, on top of that, there's a clean sweep in Tenganu, we saw, and a landslide in Galantan and Kedah. And PN also made significant inroads in Penang and Selangor, successfully cracked the urban seats are now trying to champion not just the Malays, but also the working class. Now, the bigger loser is, of course, AMNO. The once dominant Malay Nationalist Party only won 19 of the 108 seats contested. Less than 18%. It's the worst electoral showing ever. Really, it's a slippery slope for AMNO, unfortunately. Yeah, so a strengthening of the opposition across the board and a weakening of the ruling party for sure is what we've seen play out through all the states, despite the status quo in the actual number of states held by each of them. Afifa, despite Anwar voicing optimism that his party would do well going into the polls, there were signs that his Pakatan Harapan coalition could struggle, which eventually turned out to be the case, particularly when it came to the crucial Malay vote. If we were to look at the three states that were held by Perikatan, Nasional, Kelantan, Kedah and Trangganu, I mean, it's it's almost a complete wipeout, right? It, it was a complete wipeout in Trangganu and in Kedah, the PHBN alliance only got three seats, in Kedah, in Kelantan, two seats. Throughout the campaign, when I was in those states, whenever... Anwar Ibrahim, the Prime Minister, came down to campaign for his unity government coalition. There were very few Malay people in attendance. It was just the non-Malays who came to support. And even if they could get 100% of their non-Malay support there, it just wasn't going to be enough to win even one seat there. So it was very clear that 
the Malay votes were just not going to Pakatan Harapan for sure, which is why they decided to field in Barisan Nasional in those seats. But the discontent with the BN coalition, that feeling of really not liking them, is still very high post-GE. And so a lot of the Malays just cannot trust that BN coalition. And so they swing to Perikatan Nasional instead. Yeah, it's interesting how things have turned around or the fortunes have shifted, the sands have shifted under UMNO's feet. Mel, some analysts we spoke to on Asia First said that the race-based politics that UMNO used as their playbook for decades has come back to bite them. Can you help us understand that? Well, indeed, race-based politics, what analysts call to divide and conquer Malaysia's multi-ethnic and multi-religious society, that used to work well for AMNO, which is the largest and oldest Malay nationalist party in the country. Now, for decades, the Democratic Action Party, DAP, was the bogeyman, out to ruin Islam and take away the Malay rights. And AMNO is the sole defender of the Malay interests. Now, AMNO is working with DAP in the unity government. So for many, especially those in the grassroots, they still couldn't accept that. What about AMNO's pledges during the party AGM of no working with Anwar, no DAP, all these while? They kept asking me that. And that's why a lot of the AMNO support base, AMNO members, their votes went to the opposition. So in a way, like what analysts said, AMNO has come a full circle, paying the price for conditioning the minds of Malays all these years. Yeah, Nafifa, after being decimated in the national elections, Amno only managed to win 19 of the 108 state seats it contested. Where does the party go from here? It's President Ahmad Zahid Hamidi, who played a key role in Mr. Anwar's rise to the premiership by siding with his longtime rival. He must be under huge pressure now. Definitely huge pressure. It's his head on the chopping block right now and a lot of his UMNO members want him to step down, to take responsibility. Even the Prikatan national leaders on polling night, Muhyiddin Yassin was saying that Anwar Ibrahim as well as his deputies, Ayat Hamidi, need to take moral responsibility for such a poor showing at the polls and to resign as Prime Minister as well as Deputy Prime Minister. Internally from UMNO, of course, people want him to step down. But whether he responds to those calls is in another thing altogether. I mean, after GE, which was UMNO's worst showing ever in history, Zahid still remained strong. And following that, he cemented his position as president by denying the top two posts in UMNO to be contested. So we'll have to see what happens next from within UMNO. Can Zahid Hamidi still withstand the pressure? Can he fend off his critics and those who want him to step down? Because his support and UMNO's support is very crucial for this unity government to remain as strong. UMNO, they are very demotivated right now. Although a segment of the UMNO youth, they are going to organise, they said, a silent protest outside UMNO headquarters end of this month. So we'll see how that goes. But it's rather quiet and muted. I don't hear much protest right now. Pressuring him to step down is more like coming from the veterans. We'll see. I mean, it's still early days. Okay, so now we know where UMNO are and the struggles that they're facing. Um, Mel, what do these state elections mean for the Perikatan Nacional Coalition and its main parties, Bersatu and PAS? It seems they are growing in strength on the back of securing the Malay vote. Yeah, the momentum is there for Perikatan Nacional. But the next general election, Steve, is not due till year 2027, the GE16. So there's still a long way to go, yeah? And politics is a long game. Can they sustain it all the way? That's going to be the problem. They have their challenges as well. They don't have non-Malay support. 
as far as Malaysia is concerned, it's still a multi-ethnic, multi-religious country. Over 20% of the voters are non-Malays, although some argue that the number is shrinking, the percentage is shrinking, as Malay population surges ahead of non-Malays. But the former Prime Minister, Muhyiddin Yassin, that leads PN, stressed that he wants to be inclusive. How he's going to do that is unclear, because PN's uh, next focus is when Parliament sits on September 11th for a week, to review the five-year economic plan for the country. The opposition MPs, they have some burning questions, they said, for Prime Minister Anwar, so we'll see. I think if I could just add to that about PN and Pas and Bersatu just really focusing on the Malay votes and not getting the non-Malay votes, I think many of them would argue that they actually don't need the non-Malay votes. The Malays are enough for them to win the number of seats. I think they're not so worried about Penang on the island, but they're really focusing on Penang mainland seats as they are with the fringes of Selangor. So I think for them, in this time, all they need to do before GE16 is just to really solidify their Malay base to them that they'll be okay. Yeah, well, that leads me to our next segment, but we're going to go for a short break first. Still ahead on CNA Correspondent, I'll ask Melana Fifa what kind of challenges Anwar Ibrahim faces going forward and what Mohidin Yassin's acquittal could mean for the Prime Minister's unity government. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen Chia, and I'm host of CNA's weekly news podcast, Heart of the Matter. Each week, my job is to ask the questions you have. Like, why is the COE so high? Why aren't singles dating? Or what's going on with the red-hot property market in Singapore? If you want the views behind the news, then tune in each week as we get to the heart of the matter. We are on the CNA and Me Listen apps and wherever you get your podcasts. Hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it drops. Welcome back. Steve Lai here, along with our Malaysia correspondents, Melissa Goh and Afifa Arafin. And I want to turn your attention to opposition leader Muhyiddin Yassin, who, a few days after the state elections, was acquitted of four counts of abuse of power involving 232.5 million ringgit, which is approximately 50 million US dollars. And though he faces other charges, one analyst we spoke to said that this ruling could play a part going forward. This will have major implications for the other set of charges, the other set of charges relates to money that was in his account, in the party's account, and that deals with money laundering. So if he gets off on this group of charges, it means that the government cannot proceed with the other four money laundry charges. But whatever it is, this is a major, major political event in Malaysia, especially coming on top of the massive vid 3 by Muyedin's coalition Perikata National on Saturday. Now that he's been acquitted of these uh, corruption charges, So I think he has a lot of stuff to celebrate. That was James Chin, Professor of Asian Studies at the University of Tasmania, speaking on CNA after the ruling was announced. Now, I'm not sure which one of you wants to take this one up, but help us understand what Professor Chin meant when he said that if he got off on those abuse of power charges, that prosecutors would struggle to make the money laundering charges stick. I was in court and I spoke with the lawyers. From my understanding from covering Najib and Rosma's money laundering cases and also having read a few law articles on predicate offences, in order for money laundering to happen, there must be an underlying crime that generates the illegal proceeds. So in Muhyiddin's case, abuse of power must have happened first for him to receive the gratification. But since all the four power abuse charges have been struck out, he's been acquitted by the High Court judge, so how can you say money laundering has happened where there's no predicate offence for power abuse? 
Mohidin's lawyer, Hisham Tepotek, is quite confident when I spoke with him on the phone after the acquittal. He said that he's going to apply to strike out the remaining money laundering charges against his client as well. But the prosecution has appealed against the High Court's judge's decision to acquit. So we'll see how that's going to pan out, whether a stay until everything is going to be resolved. But I also remember talking to the late Gopasri Ram, the renowned lawyer turned public prosecutor. He was a former judge as well. He was prosecuting Rosma and he was adamant. I remember he telling me that uh, money laundering can stand on its own. So long money is entrusted to him, to Muhyiddin or to Anwar or to Najib, it's a duty for Muhyiddin to prove how he spent the money. The onus is on him. Mm, so it comes down to a lot of interpretation of the law as well. So while we wait for that to sort of play out with the appeal, what's Muhyiddin's next step, Afifa? Buoyed by the court ruling and the election results, should we expect him to be increasingly vocal about his role within Bursatu, uh, the Bursatu party and the Perikata National Coalition, and perhaps even to ramp up pressure on the unity government. Following the state elections, he was actually calling for Anwar's resignation. Yeah, I think his acquittal just emboldens him more because it's easy for him to show to Malaysia that this was political persecution before the state elections to really tarnish his name and hurt his chances. And the court clearing him of the charges proves his innocence. And it works in his favour by saying that, look, our side is very clean, as you can see, but on Abno's side, you had Najib Razak, who is now in jail and like clearly guilty of all the corruption that he's committed and that Abno is a very tainted party. So that works in his favour. For the PN side, they've been calling this state elections as a referendum. That's something they've been chanting on polling night and they've been calling for the Prime Minister and the Deputy Prime Minister to step down. So he's just going to ramp up pressure on the unity government to do something. And remember, PN's ultimate aim is to change the federal government. And I don't know to what extent they will go or how far they will go before they will give up on this goal. So that begs the question, what is Anwar's next move going to be following the election results, following this acquittal? He's taken a big hit from the state polls, it has to be said. Is Amno, as we've been talking about it then, still an asset to the coalition? There's been talk that he could face defections, but doesn't the anti-hopping law also prevent that? So how strong is the unity government at the moment, Mel? Well, indeed, the anti-party hopping law currently forbids MPs or Member of Parliament from jumping or switching side without triggering a by-election because they will lose their seats, right? But it doesn't forbid an entire party, say, Amno from leaving the coalition. So if Amno MPs, they move on block, then that's okay. A few cannot without losing their seats. So on paper, Prime Minister Anwar has two-thirds majority in Parliament, 148. It's a 222-seat parliament. Mr. Anwar has assured the people that his unity government is intact, it's united, and now that the state elections are done and dusted, let's move on and focus on governing, serving the people. There are lots to do, he said. His cabinet minister, like Anthony Loke, the transport minister, is confident that all the coalitions, including the Sabah and the Sarawak uh, parties, they will stick together as nobody wants instability. You know, let's hear him out. As far as we are concerned, every single party in the unity government has given a very firm commitment that we want to ensure that there will be political stability, there will be no change of government between elections. We must ensure that this government can stay its course over the next four years until the next election. And we want to ensure that uh, there will be no change of prime minister. So we want to ensure that there is some semblance of stability 
being provided. That was Anthony Loke, the Secretary General of the DAP component party of Pakistan Harapan. Mel, just to come back and sort of to wrap up uh, this part of it, UMNO, are they still an asset to the coalition, to Prime Minister Anwar? Well, Prime Minister Anwar counts on UMNO President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi's support. Now, he remembered that, that his rise to the premiership thanks to him, and reminded everyone about that every time he go on the nightly Chiramada rallies. And he thanked him for backing him all this while. Otherwise, he couldn't have risen to be a prime minister. Now, as to Amno's fortune, what are they going to do next after suffering a disastrous defeat? They'll leave it to Amno to decide what's best for the party. But as far as can see right now, there is no credible leader within Amno that can rise up and challenge party president Ahmad Zaid Hamidi anytime. Until then, and there are a lot of people also argue that getting rid of Zahid alone is not going to solve the problem. Amno's problem is far deep-rooted in that. They have to battle corruption and the perception of the people. They have lost hope in Amno. So getting back up is going to be a long way to climb. But without a change in top party leadership, it's going to be almost impossible. I think to add to that, for PH, what other choice do they have right now? UMNO is the Malay-based party that they're relying on to secure the Malay votes. And unless within Pakatan Harapan, if PKR and Amana can strengthen uh, their Malay ground, then maybe they don't need UMNO. But at this point in time, they still very much rely on UMNO for that role. And what should we be looking out for going forward then? What are the canaries in the coal mine, if you like, for Malaysian politics? A uh, question for both of you. Afifa, you want to go first? I don't know. I'm raising my hands because Malaysian politics, as we know, is so unpredictable. With Perikatan Nasional being so aggressive in saying that they want to change the federal government, we don't know if there's anything up their sleeves. A lot of the former UMNO members who were suspended from the party have been very, very quiet. And when things are quiet in the Malaysian political scene, that's something when us journalists get worried because we don't know what's to happen next. When Parliament sits in September, they will talk about the economic plan. And hopefully after the dust is settled from this state elections, that the unity government can then focus on that because that's a very pressing issue uh, here in the country. Mel, your thoughts? It is a second wake-up call after GE15. So it's clear that the trajectory continues since the November general election. The Malay votes continue to shift to the opposition break at the national. I look at the numbers, over 63% Malays uh, voted for the opposition. Although PN, marginally, they lost the popular vote, despite having won more than 60% of the seats. Yeah, And that's because many rural areas, rural seats, they have fewer voters, less population there. But that may change. Yeah? If this continue to gain momentum with the working class in the urban centres, fending their rights, and also continue to fend their appetite with race and religious rhetorics, these are sensitive issues in Malaysia that can be dangerous, you know, if unchecked. So I think let's not kill the canary because <laughs> I, I, I mean, like I know like Apipa said that they don't need non-Malay votes anymore. They can't form a government with just Malay votes. That's what people are worried about, okay? Let's not kill the canary. I like the bird. <laughs> okay, let's try and keep Malaysia free for all, I suppose you could say, and keep the canaries in the coal mines alive and well, as you would hope in a strong democracy. Okay, let's get to your final thoughts then as we wrap up this discussion. Final thoughts on the state polls and the current state of politics in Malaysia and, and perhaps something that our, our listeners who aren't such avid followers of Malaysian politics as we all are, are, something that they should bear in mind going forward, hearing news coming out of Malaysia with regards to their politics. 
uh, I always think politics is a marathon. I mean, we've been doing this for so many years, right? Covering so many elections, so many alliances and coalitions, you know, it's a long game. Anything can happen. So the next election is not due to year 2027. So there's still plenty of time for Prime Minister Arnold to salvage the situation, if he gets it right, and get the economy going, undertake reforms that he promised, grow the economic pie faster, create high-paying jobs, control inflation, speed up all the mechanism to help the poor, the marginalised. While forging new alliance, finding alternative, all these, it's not something that he wants to rush into at this point in time? Yeah, I think after every election in Malaysia, it's very interesting, right? Because it's a democracy. And so whatever results that come out from it is really what the people people want. And in this case, if you see it as a mini referendum, it does mean that the people don't endorse the unity government and that Pakatan Harapan Barisan National Alliance. So when people say that, especially in the urban areas, when you know we heard of some leaders saying that, oh, if the people of Klantan, Kedah and Trangganu vote the Perikatan National Government and if that's what they want, then fine, you know, may God help them or stuff like that. It's quite an unfair view for the urban people to have because for the people in those rural Malay heartlands, they have no other credible alternative. For them, PN is still better than PH. And so who are we to say which is a better choice? So I think after every election, to me, it's very, very interesting because this is really a, a true reflection of what the ground wants. And it's something for the unity government to reflect internally about what they were not doing right, were their economic policies, their economic vision for the country is not trickled down and not translated well to the people. And that is a perfect point to end this discussion and this episode of CNA Correspondent. Afifa, Mel, thank you very much for joining me. Listening to Melina FIFA, it's clear that these state elections can be seen as a sign that the sands are shifting under Prime Minister Anwar's feet. His unity government may have held on to their states, but the clear exodus of Malay voters to the opposition will be a concern, particularly as the once dominant UMNO party continues to show signs of weakening influence. As Mel said, politics in Malaysia is a marathon, and GE16 isn't due until 2027. But If the sands continue to shift for Anwar, the foundations of his unity government will be further tested. The TV version of CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30pm. You can also catch up with it whenever and wherever you like on cna.asia. Do like and subscribe to this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents. It's available on our website and mobile app, as well as Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts as well. Thank you for listening. Our podcast team is made up of Jacqueline Chan, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Steve Lyon.